If you haven't gathered yet, you're listening to Movie Schmovie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. You did download the right podcast or stream, whichever you've chosen to do. Um, welcome to episode 106. We hope you enjoyed 105, which was our Schmovie Awards, which I know I had a great time doing. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you guys did as well. I think, in general, the whole world is still sort of hung over from the, the mm. party that was the second annual Schmovie Awards. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're going to kind of get back into our semi-regular swing of things in yeah terms... although we, we seem to be at kind of a low ebb tonight i don't know but should, should we ride this should we ride this uh, somber feeling out or should <laughs> we try I feel to... very calm right now it's i feel like rain. i'm on npr or something <laughs> mm-hmm. keeping it like a, a little bit lower yeah not getting excited but yeah we, we actually have seen a, a quite a few films over the past couple of weeks whether it's been in theaters or on demand or other methods that we like to employ um to see our movies but uh, so we're just gonna take an opportunity and really kind of catch up on stuff that's out coming out very soon, and uh, kind of just touch base on a lot of that stuff. I know that some of us have seen th- some things together independently, mm-hmm. and uh, that way we can kind of cover a lot of ground and let you guys know what's out there, what to see, what not to see, and go from there. Yeah. So Ronald, I think you were the only one that saw. Uh, what do they call it? A nymphomaniac. Right. Directed by Lars Van Trier. Lars Van Trier. Van <laughs> Trier. Where where was that little pronunciation you were playing? Where was um, that from? It's rightpronounce. Okay. Dot com or rightpronunciation dot com. Uh, yeah, rightpronunciation dot com, which I think is man. Like, I remember we used that like forever ago with uh, Nicholas Vindig, Wendy yeah, Greffin or whatever. Reffin. I can't. Yeah. Even, obviously, it didn't work. I don't remember. <laughs> I want to know is uh, Dennis Villeneuve? Is that the guy who directed Prisoners, Prisoners yeah. and? Enemy. And enemy, yeah. We yeah. should look that up on there. It's interesting yeah. names. The new bro. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about this film, Ronald. So and but and also give us a little bit of context. How do you feel about Lars Van Trier in okay, general? Okay, so I mean, I've seen uh, Melancholia, which I enjoyed, <clears throat> and what else? What else have I seen? Antichrist, parts of it. I haven't seen all of it. Would you say? Would you say you enjoyed Antichrist? No, no. I would not say that I enjoyed it per se. But this is a part of the, like, uh, I don't know what they're calling the trilogy. It's a part of the trilogy. It's, the trilogy is Antichrist, Nymphomaniac, and then another movie. Oh, yeah? They kind of fit into this weird trilogy. Okay, so. Very odd. The movie is about a, a character, Joe. And Joe is found beaten on uh, a street. And she's picked up by a man. And oh. I drop a phone. <laughs> Uh, picked up by a man, and she basically... Let, re- let me know the phone's all right. Just give me... Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Okay, and good. she basically recounts her life um, as a nymphomaniac. And there are some twists and turns in her story. And there's a lot of parallels to some interesting things like fishing, to her sexuality. And it's it's a... For the subject matter, I think it's tackled in a way that I have never seen. I like what you so. did there with the term "tackled" after you mentioned fishing. Yeah. I like yeah. how you linked it. Well <laughs> yeah. done, Mr. James. It's uh, it, it tackles some. I was trying to make a uh, river runs through it, kind of river runs through <laughs> her. I'm looking at the poster of the film. Joke, it's like but, a it's like a lore on a yeah. fishing line. So yeah, it's like, nice. I like it. So you obviously prepared. What makes it so interesting is that um, a little button fly fishing. What? <laughs> She runs into some weird situations. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but she has a handicap in the middle of the movie, mm. uh, and you get to see that. <clears throat> it's handled. Wait, wait, she has a handicap in the middle. She of the movie. develops a handicap. Oh, okay, she develops one. She develops one. And you see, 
So it's all about her recounting it, right? Like yeah, it's it's narrated it. by her. And where does it break? I know it's a part one of two, but it was originally going to be breaks, like a five-hour oh, movie ends, or it something. It basically ends with uh, the development of her handicap. Okay, so it ends um, at a certain point in her story that feels like the end of a movie, or does mm-hmm. it feel like just this movie stops here and part two will pick up later? Because I know it was cut in half kind of... You know, uh, just to be just because no theater was going to well, screen but, a five hour movie. But because it was at the part that it was in, I mean, it it would definitely be a movie that I'd want to see within a month. Like, I definitely, you know, the way they're trying to put it out now. Um, <clears throat> right. But it it's really for what it was. I mean, because there there's a lot of sex. Uh, it's interesting. It's a nice study of a person who really in her head is not. She's self-deprecating towards the end, but in it, seeing someone function that way is an exhausting thing emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd recommend it. I, I mean, it's it's smarter than you think it would be. And I, and I think that that's one thing that I was afraid of. I thought it was just going to be really shallow fucking for you know an hour and a half, and it, it didn't feel like that. I think it was handled in a way that was, aside from Shia LaBeouf's terrible fucking accent which changed maybe four times (laughs) what's he supposed to be uh scottish i think yeah um yeah scottish was that your impression of his scottish accent (laughs) i was trying to think because it changes so much it might even be irish it changes so much it sounds like both but um overall very good movie i i don't know i'd I'd suggest it i don't want to talk about it too much but i i think if you want to see a movie that'll that's jarring and eye-opening and has some cool beautiful shots i mean there's a lot of dick there's a lot of like prosthetic dicks and mouths and things like this but i think if you want to watch something that'll shock you but really also entertain you during the course of it nymphomaniac is it's kind of where it's at like i i enjoyed it Mm-hmm. I like being shocked a little bit. I like being. Well, I mean, he's up. he's kind of a. Uh, that's kind of Lars von Trier's thing <laughs> is that he's like a he's like a provocateur. He always wants to kind of put you through something. And Steve, you're not a big von Trier guy. Can't say that I am. What have you seen? I mean, I've seen Melancholia, I've seen Dogville, and I've seen parts of Breaking the Waves. But I I don't know I. They just nothing. I just don't really connect with the movies. I feel like they're very depressing and. Uh, Looking it up, the the what, the trilogy you're talking about, it's called the Depression Trilogy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Melancholia, Antichrist, and Infomaniac. But um, I don't know. Nothing's really just. I never really. I don't know. I, I have nothing else to say. But I, I never really connected to any of his films. Like I don't seek out his his films. If anything ever has gotten me to see them, it's really just because they're controversial. Well, that's what I'm wondering though. Is I'm, I, I sometimes I wonder if a guy like that is if there is something kind of shallow about provoking. An audience. I haven't seen enough of his movies and yeah, compared yeah. them to each other to sort of get a sense of whether I think he's he's kind of doing that. I think sure. that he clearly is a uh, you know approaches them with an artistic bent, and we we kind of talked about this with uh, Nicholas Vending Ref and yep. the whole idea of like uh, when you're kind of punishing the audience. <laughs> are, but I mean, you know, doing that on purpose does that elevate it or does it, is it still you know are you somewhat still responsible for giving your audience like some pleasure? Like a movie like Antichrist, it's it's impossible to really take pleasure in that movie although yeah. i'm sure someone will say i i did 
but I just was wondering. I mean, I've always had a hard time categorizing Lars von Trier. I find that a lot of times I put off watching his movies because of the fact that I, I usually find them depressing and kind of off-putting. But but I do think he's he's in some ways like a major filmmaker that you have to pay attention to what he's doing. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. I'm so, mixed. You, so you give it a go-ahead? I'd say so, yeah. I mean, it's a strange movie, but it's not for everybody. That's mm-hmm. if you if if you're squeamish, and okay. So another thing, I'm I went to Europe years ago, and I remember seeing a nude woman just in a, on a sign, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about how like little kids seeing this, adults are seeing this, and they're perfectly all right. Something weird about the fact that everything is so jarring, and we act like things don't exist here, but we do awful things. It's yeah. a strange thing, but yeah. I enjoyed it. Right. I definitely enjoyed it. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I would guess I wouldn't, you know, the just a, a kind of crowd pleasing entertainment. I saw the Veronica Mars movie that we discussed the Kickstarter campaign for sure. a little over a year ago, I guess. Yeah, Is that just about? Just about. Yeah. Um, it seems shocking that it actually exists now. I mean, right. I don't know. There's it's something. Surreal. Yeah. And and it's interesting. I know that when we first talked about it, we kind of addressed that idea of whether it was going to feel like a real movie or not. And then I think we, when we all saw the trailer, we all kind of agreed at least it looked it looked mostly real. Mm-hmm. And having seen it, I would say it. I still feel that way about it. That it still feels sort of like a fan, like a fan artifact mm. to some extent. Like uh, like the aesthetic I, of it looks that way. Like it, you can feel the updating of the style of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it definitely felt like this is Veronica Mars, the show. And if you liked the show, you'll probably like this. And I honestly had no idea how any of that stuff would play to somebody who wasn't kind of plugged into the mm-hmm. phenomenon. Like, I'd be very interested to know, same as I was with uh, the uh, Serenity, the, the Firefly movie, the, the Joss Whedon's you know, attempt to take a, a show and turn it into a movie for mass audiences. You, you really don't know what that mass audience would make of this movie. And I, I honestly, I haven't read any reviews by anybody that wasn't a viewer of the show. Uh, so it seems like there's a lot of excitement about, oh, they, they didn't mess it up. It basically feels, it feels pretty right. I mean, it feels like Veronica Mars. Uh, but it's, you know, it's hard to know, like, what... It'd be an interesting thing if it really does just exist for that core group of fans you can see, you can imagine that there would be a niche audience that might support another Veronica Mars movie and it could kind of keep on going. Sure. But the idea of it becoming like a series, I don't know that there's enough information in this movie to really make someone who's coming in out of the cold feel like they're in the club. Like I, w- I, I would imagine if, I, if <clears throat> this was the first thing I was seeing of Veronica Mars that I would feel like, oh, okay, I'm still not quite understanding all the references or I'm not quite getting what it is. I don't know. I, w- I really was would love to hear what someone else thought of it just because I'm not trying to be hard on it as a movie, but I, w- I wonder if you guys would know what I mean that when you're watching it, you really do feel like this exists for the very people that backed it on mm. Kickstarter, not yeah. so much for for a wider audience. audience. Yeah. yeah, no, it only did like two and two million or something like that over mm-hmm. the weekend. I mean, with a product, with what is it, like six million production bu- budget? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like what you got to, I, I like to see to, or continue to see how these movies play out, these ones that get financed through Kickstarter or Indiegogo yeah. or whatever it is. Um, because kind of like, I know that I read an article about how on Friday there was a big problem with, because uh, they delivered the digital versions of the movies yes. to the backers through like Ultraviolet and Flickster. Mm. And apparently there was a big problem with like getting the downloads. And Rob Thomas and, and Warner Brothers, they issued a statement that like they were giving people the option of either 
getting a refund of the price of the download from what you pledged if, if you didn't want to wait to get it fixed. Like, obviously, that's not the plan. Yeah. Uh, they were going to, like, they were reimbursing people if they wanted to buy it through iTunes. Mm. But I think it's interesting that, like, the, the content delivery system wasn't ready for it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it made so much money on Kickstarter. It was over, like, $5 million. Yeah. <clears throat> and Weren't uh, they going for... For four million or something like that. I, I, I think they were going for two. I, I think it was two or three. It was, two. It, was, oh, wow. it was pretty low, but it's interesting that like I think the box office, quote unquote, is already padded with the people that backed it. Right. You know what I mean? Like kind of what you're getting at. Like it's made for those people, but you know it's still making money outside of it. And I'm, I'd be curious to see what it does. Like you know, in the next couple of weeks, in terms of people still finding it on demand or finding it in theaters, because you know it didn't really get a huge a, a huge release. Because right. of the delivery well, right. system and, that they have set up. And the kind of notion that it was kind of pre-sold. Yeah. So it's sort of like the $6 million that it raised on Kickstarter <clears throat> was kind of like the pre-sold tickets, really. That yeah. was people going ahead and paying for it. Right. $2 million on your first weekend for a sort of niche movie like this is not so bad for a movie that only costs $6 million. But yeah. the question is, next weekend, is there going to be any audience for it i think they're aware of what they have though i mean i think that the fact that it didn't even get released into 300 theaters Mm -hmm. tells you what this film is serving you know like in terms of it of the final product like it it's it exists because of that because of these people yeah in reality it exists because of that you know i'm putting it out there to see what else they can get like these 300 cinema or the 300 theaters that it or 290 something that it made it into this this past weekend i think that that's just a bonus i really you know i think Mm -hmm. they in their eyes the studio really, you know, they've obviously spent money marketing it, distributing it, all this stuff, and they'll make they'll make money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they'll get money, and uh, I, I'd like to access if we can figure out how to get information on like what it makes on iTunes or on Ultraviolet or whatever these yeah. other channels are, because I, I'd, I'd venture to say that it's the return there is much higher. I don't think people are going to the theater to see Veronica Mars beyond maybe the first week or two. You know, that drop-off is going to be pretty substantial, I think. So It's kind of crazy that, like, uh, markets like iTunes don't really publicize The information. Sales, like, you yeah. see, like, charts, yeah. you know, but that's like, really it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I, I, we could probably find out. I, I'm not familiar with how well it did on iTunes or anything like that. But another example that, you know, I'm actually really eager to see, which is one that I backed, which is that, that Zach Braff movie, mm-hmm. The Wish I Was Here. Um, that movie made, like, $3 million on Kickstarter, Focus Features bought it for two, two and three quarter million, like at Sundance, and it's coming out in the middle of the summer, and it's going to be like a indie limited to wide release. So I mean, that's a film where I think it's not like the fan, like the fan boys or fan girls of yeah. like the Veronica Mars subset going after Zach Braff. It's like people that like Zach Braff and they they'll go see this movie in the theater. I mean, I, I'll get a download of it, so because I paid for it, mm-hmm. but I think that movie will have more of a life. In a theater setting. The release model, at least, for the Zach Braff movie. Yeah. Sounds like what they would do with any movie, any acquisition that they picked up at a festival. Absolutely. Which is Which is planned to roll it out. Whereas this is very tepid, very put it out in the theaters, almost like as a token, so that it's so that it's a theatrical release. Yep. But if you see it, you'll know what I mean. It just doesn't it sounds, feel, I, I it just feel, doesn't it feel like a movie that's reaching yeah. out to audiences, both in the sense that it doesn't have to, which yeah. I think that it kind of rubs that in your face maybe a little bit. That it's like, this is really for the... I mean, I don't know that I'm as big of a fan as the fan this movie was made for, but I still enjoyed it. Sure. But the other side of it is, it's not really... It's. I mean, I don't know. There's something kind of TV-ish about the idea itself. That that if I saw this on television, <clears> I would be thinking, oh, that was a good return to these characters. But as far as making a leap to the big screen, it doesn't... Yeah. 
It doesn't. It doesn't feel to me like there's a there's a cinematic future in these characters. But mm. but if someone were to say Netflix is going to do a season of the show, I would say that sounds about right. Would you suggest that people see it or? You know what? I think if you, this is a rare occasion where it's like if you are, you already know, if you're going to see Veronica Mars, nothing I said yeah. was going to change your mind. And in fact, if you were going to see this movie, you've probably already seen it. You know, I think that there is. I I don't know who the wild fans of the show are, but you know, according to the coverage of the the response to the Kickstarter, there are clearly some people out there that are just like rabid for this for this show. So, supposedly. Supposedly. Steve, what'd you say? <clears throat> well, John and I actually saw a movie that we've been talking about for a while. And actually, I think <clears throat> I think I, one of us, I don't know if it was me, on the uh, like the spring preview or whatever we were talking, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it. Um, it's a film called Cheap Thrills. Mm-hmm. Um, it debuted last year at South by Southwest. And uh, got a lot of good buzz going around it. Draft Draft House Films got the rights to distribute it, and just it's now coming out. Uh, I think it's a video on demand now, and I think it's going to be a limited theatrical release um, as this podcast is coming out. But um, Pat Healy, Ethan Embry, who uh, you know I was very happy to see on the screen. Uh, if anybody knows him from like Dutch with Ed O'Neill, or uh, <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait is Preston. Haven't seen him on TV or movies in a long time. He's in it as well. Sarah Paxson and David Kushner. <clears throat> Basically just a movie about, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know, two desperate guys being challenged with money. You know, like what would you do for $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, just two very wealthy people they run into at a bar, and from there it kind of just escalates. And uh, chaos ensues, Yes, mm. I would say, is a very apt description. <clears throat> but I I thought the movie was great. I mean, I really liked it. <clears throat> it's very dark. Uh, I I guess I didn't realize. I should have realized it from the trailers and some of the marketing material for it, just some of the visuals, um, just where it was going. But the last like fifteen twenty minutes of the movie and the last shot of the movie, which John and I were talking about earlier, pretty much like just <clears throat> goes bonkers in my opinion. Uh, in a good way. In, in in a way, as a viewer, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, not so good for some of the characters in the film. I mean, it's definitely <clears throat> it's a it's a fun movie in a lot of ways, but it's also a very uncomfortable movie to watch, and <clears throat> it's just a kind of a situation you can sort of relate to the to the to the beginnings of this scenario with regard to like you are out at a bar and you you meet these people and they're like buying people they're buying rounds and you kind of hang out in their little world a little bit you know and a lot of times you meet those people that just seem to be going full tilt yeah and you're kind of you're kind of feeding off their energy for a little while and a lot of times those people can have this kind of gravity to them that you sort of they're going to the oh, there's a party they really know about or they're like hey what, where are we going after yeah. this there's this kind of rolling party that can happen sometimes mm. the movie did a good job of showing how that turns into something else once you get to a situation where you're you're not really in your element you know you're 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 you know you end up back at someone's <clears throat> place and you're not really mm. sure how you got there or whatever and then you add as as Steve said you add the kind of desperation of these characters so it did feel like that kind of like at times a black comedy at times, like a morality tale. Yeah. But as far as it being like as shocking, I don't know. I, well, I I was less like shocked and offended when I first saw that trailer. I thought I was gonna be too squeamish for this movie. Oh, okay. I would say the movie takes those squeamish <clears throat> moments and kind of, kind of draws them out. It actually gets more tension 
out of the scenario than I thought they were going to. I thought it was going to be just escalation of crazy dare, crazy oh, no, dare, I, crazy I, that, dare. That was good. But yeah. the movie kind of slows it down. And, you know, Pat Healy's an actor that I like a lot. He does this kind of indie movie where he plays these kind of edgy, creepy right, guys right. really well. I, you you know, your boy, Ethan Embry. My boy. He was great. Restone. I mean, he's got this weathered... Ethan Embry really had this weathered look to him. He looked I like thought one, he looked, I thought he looked bad yeah. Like in life because I haven't seen him in yeah. a long time. But I thought he looked good. Right. If you can understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, he like, looked like he, one he of the a, guys well from Perfect storm you know yes, what i mean exactly he, he totally got looked... off his fishing boat yeah he just came in he's got the flannel on you know the the skull you know the snow hat or skull cut whatever it is yeah i don't know i, I thought every, i honestly thought everybody was pretty good in this film i mean even even uh david kutchner kind of as not the funny guy silly yeah. guy like just being that like ass whose privilege just oozes out of every pore of his body and he's got money to just give away mm. i actually did really enjoy like how how paced out the yeah. challenges were because it really did kind of give you as a viewer a chance to sit back and bake on it a little bit like you know I kind of got to a point where I'm like well I don't know is that worth twenty five hundred dollars like mm-hmm. would I do that I mean like initially I'm like no way mm-hmm. but then I try to think about those characters like the one mm-hmm. you know Ethan Embry's character he's just kind of this bruiser he didn't finish school he didn't go to college he never had foundations in his life that he really had any responsibility to mm. so he's just like you know you, you get the impression that he like. He goes. He's like. He's a collector. He's like he's, hired. He's, yeah. He's yeah. Basically, he he goes around and muscles people for money. Exactly. And gets a small small pittance cut for of that. it. Right. Um. So that's kind of the cool thing. I mean, his character was really interesting to me because you kind of, you know, you see these two characters that start on opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and you see how they both travel and they kind of hover around the same point at certain parts of the movie. But then they both take a direct path. You know, whatever they each choose. You, which we're not going to spoil anything. Because I do think this is a movie that everybody should check out. I, I did really enjoy it. I just thought it was really cool that um, the, 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 the two, the couple, the, the two rich characters, mm-hmm. Sarah Paxson and, and David Kutchner, like they are completely aware of what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. I loved how like they were just playing them like Well, they pawns. really go like, into the fact that they're getting off on this. Oh, absolutely. And like the movie, if you wondered like- Literally. If like what's the reason why they're doing this, you yes. get a real sense that this yes. is something they do for fun. And they're having a blast seeing what these, seeing the control they can have over these guys. Mm. And as far as David Koechner, the one thing that I really, the one thing I never know for sure, Um, but the I do think he did like this, that guy who he he, the partier who's got that dark edge to what they're doing. Like he's Mm. does a great job of just those moments where you see like he's making it seem like fun and games. But if you were to suddenly say, Mm. "No, I don't want any more of this," he might he might kind of change on you just a little little bit. And I I I read somewhere where David Koechner said. That you know he's gotten to this point in his career, and the Cohen brothers don't call him, and so because th- they asked him what was it like for you, why did you take on this darker material, mm-hmm. and he said the Cohen brothers aren't calling me. Oh wow! But so a movie like this comes along, I'm I'm going to jump at it because sure. he he's he wants to play those types of dark oh, nice. characters, and I just think he takes his comic persona and tweaks it in just that way that, and we've talked about this before when a comedian in a movie can play a certain sometimes they can. They can draw out emotions you don't normally get because that person is normally servicing like let's be funny. Yeah. Like but yeah. the fact that there's this underbelly to this guy, I thought that the relationship between um what are their names again? I know her name's uh I Violet. Remember. I don't remember his name. I honestly can't remember. Yeah. I, can, I can look it up as you yeah. explain your point. But but just that couple. The, even though it's kind of over the top, you to, you totally believe their their weird relationship and you sort of see it. It's kind of like the 
like in the strangers that you get that m- tiny explanation for you know the you know why do you do this to us and it's because you were here that kind of thing you get a sense that these two people were out that night and they were going to they were going to they were, their sights were going to settle on somebody yep and they were going to maybe it was would have played out differently depending on who it was but that yeah that they sort of they sort of get what they want out of this crazy night and these other people are just <clears throat> pawns to them so yeah. it's very like that could have seemed too like like cackling villain over the top but these but they seemed like you know, believable people. Yeah, Colin. Colin. Yeah. I was going to say without without giving away the Colin ending, and Violet. The one part that I really enjoyed was was the bookends of when we first meet Colin and Violet and 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 uh, Craig and Vince. Vince meet them at the bar. They have the little bet with the bartender where where you know Colin pays Violet the the, the money for this little bet. And the last shot of the or not the last shot like the second the last shot of those characters in the film. Mm-hmm. I don't know, pay attention to that, because I think that I really enjoyed how something as simple and passive and, and not even thinking about it earlier in the movie, their last screen time, uh, and, and how they talk about Craig and Vince. Yeah. That I thought was great. And and, and what's really at stake for them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, very... what, 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 does, what, what exchange happens? And I mean, mm-hmm. that's just like, it puts in the perspective of how much they care about anything that they're manipulating in those situations, which... It's really disturbing, and I'm, you know, scary, but mm. yeah. But I, yeah, I think you would dig it. I mean, I, I was into it. Uh, um, but and yeah. and we've we've another thing we've talked about is movies that know know when to end <clears throat> or know how to end. Yes, this has got like an ending shot and like title card yes. that come up that just. Like it doesn't make you feel good, but it definitely makes you feel like yes, this is the movie I just watched. Yep. Like it ends on a on a on a on an image of like I can't deny that this that sums up what just happened yep. <laughs> in this movie. Yep. yep. And you know it's you know let's not let's not just miss the fact it's like what an hour and twenty five minutes or yeah, something it's, like it's that quick. it's it's one of those great indie movies that's very brisk it doesn't it's punishing and kind of uncomfortable but it doesn't force you to dwell over much on the like graphic violence or anything mm. like that yeah. even though there are some moments that are pretty <laughs> there's one in particular one sequence that's yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead definite definite go ahead go ahead okay. And the last one that we're going to talk about couldn't be further from. Yeah, Cheap a total. F- uh, <laughs> well, we got to cover all of our audience, John. Yeah, that's true. For the families and the uh, the old school Muppet fans out there, <laughs> or the new school Muppet fans. Either way, we 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 were able to see a, a screening of uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Yes, which hits theaters which, today. Yeah, so you either have cheap thrills at home or in theaters, or you could go see the Muppets for some. Slightly more expensive thread. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Which I got this whole thing going with the Muppets thing of like, I don't know what it is about the Muppets because I think that like for about 10 or 15 years, they were doing these, you know, Treasure Island with the Muppets or, or uh, Christmas Carol with the Muppets. They were doing those types of movies. And then I don't know, was there a period where there was no Muppet movie action? And then they, then they, that's when the movie that. They had the TV show. Well, but. They had that weird show that was like not that. It was like late. 90s or yeah. early 2000s so it was like a late night yeah there was yeah. it was like on a friday night thing. yeah it was like a weird that was good that was well really they, they good. did a lot of interesting things over the years but my point being like what is it about this current incarnation of the muppets that seems to have this kind of renewed push behind going back to the basics because i feel like this movie you know this movie is definitely a direct sequel to the was it the last one just called the muppets the muppets yeah, yeah. uh that came out what two years ago yep well, i mean yeah yeah and this was 2011 so a little over, yeah, a little over two years ago. So anyway, my point being, like, this is definitely a follow-up to that, which seems to be this kind of new Disney-owned, 
push towards the Muppets. But do you know what I mean about like, it seems to be rather than before where it was like, what new environment are they going to put them in or what sure. classic tale are they going to retell? Now it's much more about let's get back to the classic Muppet. And it seems like there's a lot of nostalgia for the Muppets that's feeding into these movies. Yeah. And I feel like even I myself will watch them and kind of laugh at things and enjoy them for nostalgic purposes. Mm. But I'm still, I'm not sure I totally understand like what's what's there like why why all of a sudden why all of a sudden with the muppets again it, you know i mean there are certain things that are working about these movies and you could talk about like the musical sequences and the songs are super charming yeah and there's some good you know like tina fey's funny ty burrell's funny ricky gervais has a couple of nice moments but it's just kind of strange to me that we're at this point where we're like looking at the muppets having this big I think you're looking too far, John. <laughs> I think you're looking too deep, buddy. <laughs> well, but Disney what is it? owns the Muppets, and Muppets is a property that has commercial viability, so let's do it again. Right. That's but, all it is. But like we did before, like let's do it again and yeah. as close to the original inception as possible. They're, yeah. They're trying, they're, they know that the, the only really good Muppet movie was the original Muppet movie. Right. And they're they know, trying you to know that. They're trying to remind people my age yes, of that. Yes, exactly. And then they're trying to get anyone... You need to take your kid to see yeah, this one so right. that 30 years from now or yeah. 20 years now, yeah. he'll do the same. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I did enjoy Muppets Most Wanted. The music was a lot of fun. Tina Fey, like you said, everything, I can echo everything you said. I do feel disconnected from it. Like, I do remember enjoying the Muppets a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the time that's passed that I haven't seen a lot about the Muppets, Muppets has allowed me to kind of like, or it's distanced me from it a mm-hmm. lot. And I feel watching it, even when I saw The Muppets a couple years ago, I still felt the same way, but just this overall mildness about the Yeah, Muppets. that's the word that I think you and I were both yeah, using. Yeah, out of the theater, we both said that. And I think just in perspective of what we see in theaters today, that it's like family fair or like, you know, whatever, animated or just straight up like, not that there's a lot of other Muppet movies like using puppets, but... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like you, you have this different perspective on family films now. Yeah. And um, I can appreciate it just through nostalgia's sake. And I'll say it was good. Yeah. I would definitely recommend it to people that looking for a good family movie or like, you know, like the Muppets like they used to be. And not so much like the Muppets Wizard of Oz or like the Muppets in whatever world you drop them in. I mean, mm-hmm. it's this, this is the Muppets world, like where they're well known for what they're well known for and they're touring to support this comeback that they yeah, they're made. putting on a variety show yeah around the world and then we found out why and you know I, I liked it i definitely can agree with you though like i i don't know i mean i know what it is in terms of the business side of why they would do it mm-hmm. just like they reboot anything but why but they tap into what you recall and like the, the true muppet nature of what the shows were the variety show or the tv show was and uh and it works. I mean, both films were very well received commercially and, and critically. And this one is too. You know, they're both fresh films. And if you look at the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot, um, I think the Muppets, uh, I'd probably say the Muppets that came out a few years ago, I probably enjoyed more. Mm. Um, some of the songs in this one, I think I was definitely more uh, in tune, you know, with or enjoying more. But, um, but there was, but but within that, you still can have like a number that falls flat. Like I thought the number with, uh, with Ricky Gervais and the frog felt very awkwardly staged. The number or one something. two. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know if it's that Ricky Gervais can't dance or something, but they, they, it felt like they were really <laughs> shooting around his, like, you know what I mean? Like they were definitely shooting around some stagnant motion or th- something yeah. about that that musical number didn't quite fly for me but a lot of the other ones were super fun and i think just about everything that happens in the gulag in the russian prison there's some great celebrity cameos in that sequence some of my favorite moments were 
you know, uh, some of those background players. There's yeah. three in particular that are like your main celebrity cameos in the in this Russian prison that Kermit is stuck in, and they they're like secondary characters in the movie. But the, you could, there's something about the spirit of having fun yeah. and throwing caution to the wind and giving into the silliness of being around the Muppets, Muppets that I yeah. think it's fun to watch when certain people get into that. Yeah, uh, and I think that's where a lot of the fun from this movie comes from. And I guess maybe that's why I was questioning it out at the outset because I feel like everyone in the theater was like chuckling mildly throughout like there were a few big laughs but there's a lot of just little mild chuckles there's silly things you only get in this type of movie but it's hard to picture like what is it about these characters that's like that still has legs or what is it that's going to get audiences excited except for that slightly it's not like it's like it's like anarchy but it's like mild anarchy (laughs) there's a long time that like there were there was no movie that had live action that that was like a kids movie that felt good Mm -hmm. watching and Muppets has always been a property that's kind of walked that line. They've had like kind of weird, dirty jokes in between some of the stuff that kind of never found its way to the screen because I I think that style of humor just didn't exist quite as prominently. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I I feel like there's a this is a weird time that we're kind of functioning. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. People is it like throwing... it feels like that kind of humor has almost gone out of yeah, style? Now it's kind of coming. I think it's still there. I think there's a weird thing where people are just throwing shit at the wall mm-hmm. and kind of seeing where things are falling, and it's working for a lot of people. And I think it's one of those things where like money or no money, they could have they could have done something that could have made more money. They could have made a Mickey Mouse movie that would have killed. Right? They could have made something. That was super plain, super popular. That would have, but there's something about these characters that are so. They they have a lot more depth than a lot of the Disney characters. Yeah, they That's, do. They do. It's so weird that like that that property. None of their characters are really as. It's all of the Disney characters are very superficial, very on the surface, and I think that with stuff like. Uh, uh, Fraggle Rock and um, and the Muppet Show and it's something about their characters that are just well, you know, you're, a little more. You're getting at something too that I think is very true, which is like there is something about, and I was saying it about the actors seem to be having fun giving into the silliness of yeah. being. There's something about there's something about the low techness of it yeah. that I think people it's, will always it's, respond to on some weird level. That like maybe about, it's not the flashiest entertainment, but it's a felt puppet, yeah. and you can see it moving around, and it's not some CGI thing. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if that has a lot to do with the nostalgia, like why yeah. these, why it's a risk now is because they're or why it's why they're willing to make this risk on something that doesn't feel like it fits yeah. the the mold of the type of entertainment is that there is something kind of resolutely old fashioned. Sure. About it's it, nothing. Not, you know, not just that they're old-fashioned puppets, yeah. but the, what they're doing—they're putting it's on a variety really, show. It's very, very old-fashioned it in is. its inception. It's something really—I I don't care how many times I see it—a mm-hmm. Muppet shooting across something and then crashing and things come like appearing. <laughs> Anything that Gonzo is involved. Anything with. that Gonzo's, and then there's something—it—it it drives me crazy. It's like seeing dogs with glasses. Something about seeing a Muppet's. Legs extend mm-hmm. and have them dance. I can't handle it. I can't handle it as a person. Yeah. I go crazy. Yeah. It's it's something that's never left me. Every time I watch the commercial, I get I get almost ecstatic. And it's not just because of like uh it's not just the nostalgia, it's what those things do to me. But would you pay to see them up as most one in theaters? I'm gonna see it. This you're, you're, I'm gonna see you're gonna it this go week. see it, okay. Yeah, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna see it. And there's something about seeing that stuff that's 
it drives me crazy. And, but like, yeah, I love... but I mean, it's like, but it only exists there because any other movie now, if they were doing it with those characters, they would say, well, let's update the look of this. Yeah. Let's make this look. I mean, because there's moments in this movie <clears throat> where they very much lean on the sort of visual joke being kind of how lame the the puppets look yeah, you know yeah. and there's like even when it's like a computer generated shadow of a of a frog that's designed to look like he's kicking ass they still let him look like he's still got those little <laughs> flimsy legs and everything you know it's like yeah. no so i i don't know i guess that's interesting that we talked we got to the point where i actually was able to tap into what i was wondering about which is like what is it about this material that 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 a present day audience is even really interested in and i think there's something of that there's something about the old fashioned there's like the it's right there it's and, and you're right when one of them flies across the room and it's, you see that and it's just a little puppet flying across the room. Yes, there's something so silly and satisfying about something that. Slipping anything mm-hmm. with like flailing arms, like yeah. running and they flail their arms. <laughs> it's it's things like that 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 just don't. It's it's something that my mom. I remember the first time my mom saw <clears throat> to, uh, Toy Story, she fucking hated it because something gets lost in that. Some I mean like I think those are beautiful movies. Mm-hmm. Something get gets lost in that. Like there's life in in motion that you can't replicate anywhere. Like there's something about like a human being controlling a puppet or a human being in, a, like interacting with a puppet that you can't replicate in yeah. any animated anything. So that like she's used to that. Like she used to show me. I used to love Muppet Babies, right? And then I started watching the old school stuff that used to come on Nick. That stuff. It doesn't matter. I, I saw Meet the Feebles. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with that. And it drove me crazy. It's something about seeing puppets acting crazy to, that always will make me laugh. Mm-hmm. And everybody I know with a similar sense of humor will love legs. So watching the legs of something move that's clearly not human. Or for me, it's like something walking. Where it's like this is what it's doing, you know. There's like that Muppet walk that they yes. all they all do. They bob around. There's yeah. something about voice. Well, that's one other thing I wanted to address before we before we leave this movie is like, I do think there are points where those new voice actors don't sound like the real ah, voices to me. I got you. And so occasionally I'll be looking at it's like an it's like a high def image mm-hmm. of Miss Piggy or Kermit or Fozzie, one of those characters you've seen so many times that seeing them so big and up close and so you almost were like, oh, I never thought about the fact that Fozzie had gray eyebrows before. You know, different little mm. things about the characters you yeah, notice. Yeah. Or those little seams, that looks like felt. Is that the same material they've been using since since the you know the early days? And I was noticing like, well, these are clearly new puppets. So I don't feel like that's <laughs> yeah. Kermit. Yeah. And then I would hear the voice that came out of it, and it wasn't Kermit. And I'm not just talking about the frog that looks like Kermit that's not Kermit. I just mean that it's like there's the through line. Normally you have an actor or you yeah. have an image or something, but I sometimes found myself thinking like this is so – like the spell would break for me, and I would be like, that's just some new Miss Piggy puppet they found or they made more likely than found. <laughs> they probably have the money to make one. And that's some actor acting like Miss Piggy, but it's like there, you know, this that spell we're talking about, it did break for me a few times. Times and uh, I wonder. It's just like whenever you hear Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck now. You know, Mel Blanc is dead. There's different people doing the voices. It's not the same thing, and yeah. it it does it does take away a little bit from from my personal nostalgia because there are times where I feel like this doesn't this is the Muppets, but it doesn't feel like it's the same thing at all. And like, is there any end in sight? I guess we're just all supposed to accept that the voices. 
they, they don't really sound like because especially when they had the scene where they were showing the clips there's a scene where someone's watching old clips of oh, kermit so and like so you hear jim henson's voice and it's like he the whole point is this this frog is posing as kermit and he doesn't sound like him but when you hear the actual old kermit recordings you think to yourself well, that doesn't really sound like the guy in this movie that's really supposed to be Kermit either. So I found myself finding that, I don't know, it, there's a little bit of that you can't go home again involved, but if you kind of squint at it, it definitely, it's still got that, that silly, fun, chaotic feel that the, that the Muppets always had. I don't know that I was ever that big of a Muppet, like, crazed fan, but I always I went huge. to see the movies. Sure. I always liked them. I always had yeah, this. Yeah, I agree. I think it was, like, the imagination. I think I grew up, my dad always liked Jim Henson when I was a kid because I think everything from, like, Sesame Street on, he liked the, the sort of imagination it seemed to encourage. And I think he yeah. enjoyed the making so much out of something so little, yeah. you know, like the, yeah. the little silly puppet that you're sort of, like you were saying, you're buying into the depth of that character. Yeah. Uh, there is something kind of magical about that. So I always grew up with a lot of respect for that. But at no point, you know, I never had like, you know, Muppets posters on my wall or anything like that. But, sure. Or, lots of Muppet books. But you never had like a denim jacket with like a really nice embroidered Muppet patch on the back or I something. I had lots of Muppet yourself. shirts. <laughs> uh, I had lots of Muppet shirts. I had a Muppet Babies lunchbox. I had lots of Muppet stuff. So were those creepy babies a reference to the Muppet Babies? I don't think so. There were just there's some creepy there's fucking some babies really, in the really Muppet really scary movie. looking babies. <laughs> yeah. No, the Muppet babies, I I, I, yeah. I was really into those. those I don't think they can too. even show that stuff on TV anymore because <clears throat> of all that old footage. I heard that's why they can't oh, show really? them anymore. Oh. You remember it was like old old like oh, Chaplin I'm... footage and oh, yeah. all that weird stuff they can't they just couldn't it was like they just like placed them in it. Yeah, it's like yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Like there's so much there's so many conflicts with companies and yeah, stuff like that that you just can't show it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's it for me plain and simple. It's nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. if I had a if I had a child, I mean, of course I would expose them. I think there's nothing negative about the Muppets. Mm-hmm. I think it's very pure. I mean, that mild, safe feeling that we have. I think it's a nice environment that you know it encourages imagination. It's funny. It's silly. It's cute. And there's a lot of heart to it. I mean, that's the big thing too with the Muppets. It's all it's all heart. There's friendship. You know, there's you know loyalty and things like that that they're all touch on, which. You know, are the things you they're a little they're a little more buried in some of these sight gags that we experience, but that's always what the Muppets have been, you know, and that's mm-hmm. definitely on display in this film. And uh, I'm although sure... I felt let down by the Muppets in this movie, the fact that they actually thought that guy was Kermit. How dare they? That really drove me crazy. <laughs> I, I definitely sided with Kermit when he flat out said that. How could know, you not? I know. <laughs> they do at least make a joke out of it, but yeah. I found myself wishing for for Fozzie or Piggy or somebody to. Notice, but I guess the whole point was that those characters—they're—they're they're making a point in this film of how much they all need Kermit. Yeah. Which so if you watch the last one and felt like it didn't focus enough on the original characters, right. this tries to remedy that, back to that by by focusing. You know, it's definitely like a very Kermit and the gang focused story. Mm. But yeah, I, I say go ahead. Yeah, that's definitely a go ahead. It's a uh, two two films, other side of the spectrum, go, cheap thrills. <laughs> You have Nymphomaniac. Ronald gave it a go. I mean, we're covering everything right We're now. Hi ho! Yeah. <laughs> Was that a Kermit voice? Yeah, I'm, I, I liked yeah. it. Not, not like the original Kermit, though. Obviously, <laughs> let's all try. You shit on it. I day. can't even try. I'm not oh, gonna... Hi ho! I am Kermit the Frog. Kermit, that... Kermit the Frog. That's not bad. <laughs> Yours is pretty close. His always goes back to sound like a weird. There's always a piece Fuck of like you. Gollum infused yeah. in Ronald's impersonations. Kermit, or 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 uh, Kermit, or or Stitch. There's a song called New York, I Love You. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on YouTube, and it's it's the person sounds like Kermit the Frog, and it's he's not trying to sound like him. Oh, no, it's, it's just, just how he sounds. Yeah, and they use Kermit the Frog <laughs> to like kind of sing the song. That's it's funny. a really good song. 
Uh, Check it out. Yeah. New York, I love you. All right. Well, there's some options for you guys. On demand in theaters. Family comedy, dark comedy, mm-hmm. sexual mm-hmm. dark drama. And, and that was just the Muppet movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, John. Oh, guys. Oh, fellas. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. 106. That's it. Wrap it up. New and, movies. Uh, Moviesmovie.net, iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Everything. any cloud that there is. I'm sure we're somewhere on it. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to tune in next week. We will be doing a very fun and special episode and I'm very curious to see if, if anything exists prior to 2013. <laughs> We're doing our favorite sci-fi picks, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it'll be fun. <laughs> Maybe this will finally put to bed Were the, there three the sci-fi joke. films in, uh, in 2013? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there were that Ronald can pick from. Maybe we'll finally put to bed the running joke about Ronald in sci-fi films next week. I'd rather not. You don't want but to? We'll, we'll right. see how it goes. These things uh, go in cycles, you yeah, know. Yeah. I'll find, we'll find something else. <laughs> yeah. uh, 2014 will bring upon a new genre yeah. for, for Ronald to become aware of. Drama? Hey, guys, have you noticed all these suspense thrillers that have been coming so, out lately? What the fuck? What is this genre? This new, newfound genre. This. It's a comedy that's romantic. What? All right, well, we'll see there if that go. happens. <laughs> Who knows? The, the 2014 is just beginning. The, so. well, I, the, the mere concept of it rendered us speechless. Yeah, yes, I, no, nothing to say. So be sure to tune in next week for that, that episode. We hope you enjoyed our discussions today. And uh, as always, you made our day. Take care.